so I just really wanted to share a few thoughts with you this evening um, and the kind of the topic or the theme that I decided to call this talk was not wasting our words and um, I have to be honest, I actually hesitate to do um, a talk around words and speech as and to women. Um, I feel like it's a really common topic directed to us as women and that's probably not without cause. I know that there are plenty of studies that say that we utter um, many more words a day than our male counterparts do and um, but I feel like there won't be one of us here in the room who hasn't regretted or berated ourselves around our words, um, whether they've been angry words or thoughtless words or where we've been involved in gossip or like there's just not one of us who hasn't struggled with aspects of our speech and our mouth and um, I really want I have no problem with us feeling challenged and hearing what God's got to say to us but I have a real problem with shame or something that actually shuts us up because actually that is not God's intention at all and I think that's really what I want to explore this evening which is why I wanted to call this talk not wasting our words um, I mean, we think words, hear words, sing words, speak words, write words every day, like multiple times a day. And I don't really need to tell any of you how powerful words are. It's a complete furphy that sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That is just not true. And all of us in our lives will be able to think of pivotal moments where we've been built up by somebody's words and we will be able to think of pivotal moments in our life where we've been cut down by them and that we have done the same to others. There's just, that's humanity for you. And uh, in James 3, he has a fairly... Uh, cutting passage about speech and the mouth but he talks about how the tongue is the is a small member but boasts great things um, and to paraphrase Proverbs 18 which would you would all know that you know words give life words bring death and basically we do get to have some choice in that so um, you know that really isn't such a thing as neutral words as such. Um, most of our words will either be moving in a life-giving direction and those will be things like words of encouragement and hope and love and peace and unity and instruction and correction and wisdom. But if our words are moving more in the direction of death, then they will include anger and malice and gossip and jealousy and contempt and even racism and prejudice and condemnation. And I am absolutely confident that every one of us in the room would like our words to be at the life-giving end of the spectrum as opposed to the end of the spectrum where we are releasing death. Um, 
But if we are going to think about how are we going to steward our gift of speech and um, how do we manage our mouth, um, I don't know whether this was a common saying in your household growing up and I've definitely heard myself say it to my girls, which is if you haven't got something nice to say, don't say anything at all. But we actually need a bit more than that to manage our mouths like because staying permanently mute is definitely not the answer. Um, so how do we cultivate wisdom and our, our mouth? Like what, what does that look like in our day to day? And obviously this is a huge topic and I mean even in that um, sort of 20 verses or so or even less that I've printed out there, I think 10, 11, 12 verses in Proverbs, there's already a lot to be said in um, that passage around um, our mouth. So... Um, we could we could spend a whole series on it, but I've just decided to pick out six things to consider if we want to be women who are wise with our mouths. The first one is to recognise that speech is a gift. Um, at every stage of the redemptive history of God, from the time before time began right through his creation to man's fall, Christ's redemption and the promise of his coming again. God is there and he is not silent. Um, and God's words decisively create, they confront, they convict, they correct and they comfort. And we just see that throughout scripture. And Really, if we're going to talk about our mouth and our speech, we have to recognise that the first words that were ever spoken were not by a human being. They were by God. Um, and that perhaps the most um, obvious way that we are like God is that actually we talk like he does. And I think that we have to start there in our recognition of just how profoundly important words are um, and that we belong to the Lord and that he is a communicating God and that he has created us with this powerful gift of communication as part of his divine purpose. Um, I mean, obviously, in the animal kingdom, there are plenty of animals that communicate. But the capacity for words is not something like we... It's, it's actually wired into our brains. The capacity for speech is something that is there as part of his creative design for humanity. And... Um, that his, his image in us is reflected through our ability to communicate. And I, I was thinking about, you know, just like first steps are an important milestone with babies, first words, that ability to hear your child's first words. Um, one of my four girls, mum, mum, mum was the first word. Everyone else it was dad, 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 which always felt like a bit of a rip-off. But, um, but just that power of speech. Speech, that ability to communicate with words. And I just, I remember the points at which in the girls' faces, they recognised that their use of words was understood. 
and just how powerful that was and how their whole face just lit up with the ability that they could use their words and then the recognition actually for them of the power of those words including things like no and um, mine and ta because if you say ta when you're a baby it gets given to you because everybody's so excited that you're using the word ta Um, so to communicate with words is to be human and to be made in God's likeness. And so any, I just feel like that's, that's our foundation. That's our starting point. We don't, um, this is a gift to be stewarded, not something to be shut down. Like it is a very powerful gift. And, um, I mean, I could give you lots of different examples, um, of that and, Um, We could talk all about the power of blessing and cursing. There are many things. But one thing that really stood out to me when I was preparing today was, um, and, and I often will talk to people about this in ministry sort of sessions, is that when when Jesus was talking about Um, The fact that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And so there is something about the power of not only believing in our hearts but saying it out loud that that is the same kind of supernatural creative power of God speaking and saying, let there be light. There's something that's released by saying it out loud. And so... We really need to understand that and therefore how important it is for us to not waste our words and to waste the gift that we've been given. So the second thing in this whole area of things to consider if we want to be wise with our mouths is that it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. When I was at university, I became a Christian at uni and um, I was a bit of a swearer. And I live with two girls who um, had been brought up in um, Christian households, not only Christian households, but in Bendigo, so rural Victoria. So having this slightly potty-mouthed Canberran in their flat with them was a bit problematic to them. And, you know, there was just that process going on in my life of transformation and my swearing was one of the things that was still there as part of my old life. And... Um, So they set about this behaviour modification program with me. So they had a swear jar and I had to put money in the swear jar um, to every time I swore. So there was quite a while where there was quite a lot in the kitty. It got less. Um, And definitely when it comes to swearing, that has – because it was a habit, like it was very much a habit in my life, it was able to be transformed by this behaviour modification program – But words, issues with our words, problems with the way that we speak, ultimately are really heart problems and therefore it is not sufficient for us to deal with it just like a behaviour modification program if we want lasting change um, in how we express ourselves. We have to start by allowing God to reveal to us what heart issue is this linked to. And um, Jesus um, said in part of his um, Sermon on the Mount in in Luke 6. Um, It says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. 
Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from a thorn bush or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The truth is that our mouth reveals what is in our hearts. And... um, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, quite often you go to the doctor and if they're doing a general check, they're trying to work out what's wrong with you. One of the things they'll do is want to look in your mouth and stick out your tongue and exam. And and so I kind of almost wonder whether Dr. Jesus is a bit like that. All right, I want to um, I want to examine what's in your in, in your heart stick out your tongue like what what's coming out of us will be a revelation of that. And, you know, I. I mean, a vulnerable, real story from my own life. When my girls were little, I really struggled with my angry words towards them. I don't think until I became a mum that I would have ever described myself as somebody who struggled with anger. And I found myself feeling constantly ashamed of how the words out of my mouth towards them at times when I felt frustrated by their behaviour or um, were graceless and that I was being a perfectionist all the time and um, and just um, really unrelational. Like, And I sat down with hot tears one day just pouring out of me to God and I'm like, I just, I, well, n- number one, I am just doing such a lousy job here, God. Like I just feel like I'm constantly berating them, constantly correcting them. There's just never anything positive coming out of me and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change this. I'd be right in the middle of a tirade with them in my head going, what are you doing? And I just remember so distinctly God saying to me, I'm, I'm like, I'm not even being gracious to them, God. Why am I not being gracious? And he said to me, because you haven't received my grace yourself. And so what he was doing was really revealing a heart issue for me. And that set about actually a fairly significant moment in my life that came to a crunch under the pressure of young motherhood where I then actually proceeded to get some ministry into this whole area that I had really not known the Father's love myself and was really struggling with receiving his grace. And what I'd felt God say to me, it's in my journal still from way back then, is you can't give what you haven't received. Like you... And I'm not saying that I don't have very graceless moments and that I haven't had angry moments with my kids. That's just not true but I it was a pivotal point for me where what was really just a symptom of my heart issue around this whole area of how you give and receive grace um just to give you an example I guess of how that would have never a behavior modification program yes there could be there are things that at times we need to be diligent about we need to practice we need to um be intentional about but there are things in our life around our mouth that if we don't address it as a heart issue it just doesn't it won't change and heart issues have to be brought to Jesus 
Like he is the transformer of our hearts and he is able to minister to us. And so my encouragement to you is if there is an area of your speech or your um, the way that you use your words that you're like, oh, I'm just going around this mountain – Take time to ask the Lord, what's, what's at the root of this? And allow him to minister to that place. And then there is this transformation that comes that then out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth begins to speak life and um, truth. So that's number two. It's a heart issue. Number three, just be slow to speak in general. I mean, James talks about being slow to speak. And uh, in Ecclesiastes 5, it says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And uh, in Proverbs 12, 18, it says, There is one whose rash words are like swords, sword, like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then Proverbs 16.23 says, Intelligent people think before they speak. What they say is then more persuasive. And uh, I, I just, I mean, I, think, I can think of times, like the worst moments for me with my mouth have been when I've been shooting my mouth off and I've not been slow to speak. Um, and so therefore it definitely applies to when we're tempted to use angry words or when we're tempted to gossip or we're tempted to be critical. We need to stop and slow down and allow there to be a connection between our thoughts and our mouth before we open our mouth. But actually it doesn't just apply to how we use our speech to avoid, I guess, negative situations. I would also want to encourage you that it applies when you're asked for advice or to give counsel or you're looking to come alongside someone. Still be slow to speak. You know, give there room for that sense of God's leading and sometimes few words are better. Like we don't always have to fill in all the gaps if we're wanting to demonstrate empathy or comfort somebody. You know, sometimes fewer words are better. And uh, the example that I thought of this, um, I, I mean, I've got two girls still at school, but obviously they've all gone through high schooling. And without a shadow of a doubt, the assignments they have the most difficulty with are the ones with the fewest word limit. And we would constantly have them. In fact, we had one this week where Alyssa's like, this is a 400-word thing, Mum, and I've got a 1,000 words. Can you help me cut it down? I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm not the... So, go to your dad. He's got less words than me. Go to your dad. He'll probably do better. But, you know, that feeling of sometimes it would, it's quite good for us to feel like we've got a word limit, you know, that actually less words can be better sometimes. Um, and I actually think that often people with less words, I would say that that's something that I really love and honour about Justin, is when he's got something to say, it's super worthwhile listening to. Um, because he just, he's not, doesn't run his mouth off lots, but when he's got something to say, it's really worth listening to what he's got to say. Um, and in, the, you know, just 
jumped out at me. I hadn't got it written in my notes here, but when I was reading through the message of, uh, of Proverbs 10 of, um, of verse 19, it says, more talk, less truth, the wise measure their words. And um, Proverbs 25:11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. So just remember to slow your speech down. There don't have to be lots of words in it. And that's not only to avoid negative things, but actually to speak wisely to one another and to encourage and exhort one another and get alongside one another. Sometimes that will be with less words than more. Um, Number four, when we're wanting to not waste our words, encourage more than you critique. I find this a hard one because I am definitely a perfectionist and um, one of the things that we did, Justin and I did quite a lot of um, parenting sort of um, mentoring when we were young parents that we then passed on to other parents and one of the things that really stuck with me when we were parenting the girls was this general rule, inverted commas, where the aim was that you would be encouraging 80% of the time and only correcting 20% of the time. I used to feel like sometimes mine was the other way around. But in th- we are aiming to encourage more than we critique. And I think that's a general rule that's worth considering just for our mouth in general. Um, Proverbs 10.11 talks about how the mouth, is the, um, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And so, um, you know, measuring how we are exhorting and encouraging. Um, and as I said on Sunday, I lo- I've always loved the definition of encourage, which means to put courage into. Um, and, and so we're looking to do that more than we are looking to be critical. Um, Ephesians 4.29 is definitely worth looking up if you've got time. Um, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So only good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. One of the other things that we were taught a lot in parenting when we were younger was to try and match your reaction to the the facial expressions of your child. So, you know, if they come in and they say, I mean, because they could have just found a worm. Um, look, look what I found of this. And you've actually really got to kind of gauge what what's going on for your child in that moment so that you, rather than um, either ignoring it or put that down, yuck, you know, and, and then, you know, again, this is within limits. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about getting so picky that we think if we have a moment like that or we're needing to bring correction, we shouldn't be doing that. But just measuring our tone based on what is the expression on your child's face. And, I, I mean, that's the same. That's one of the things that's actually really difficult about things like texting and emails and... Um, and that's as you know, I've I've had lots of conversations with my girls about that. But you know, even as adults, like we have to really, you don't get to measure tone and things like that in those situations because you actually can't see facial expressions, and so they may not even be able to read your tone. So, um, 
I think those are all important things to take into account when we're looking at encouragement. Um, and of course, um, you know, we, we should be looking for ways to be tender-hearted with our words and seeking opportunities to speak kindness and building up and giving grace to those who we're speaking to. And uh, one of the ones that one of the Proverbs, Proverbs 15.1, which I know that you will all know, which talks about how a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And just that whole, um, again, that, you know, sometimes bring an encouraging word um, is a really helpful thing. And this was something that I found quite hard and I think that I'm growing in, um, is the ability, even when my girls have done something that is um, hard or um, is to first be able to come alongside them and connect with them with my words, even if I've got correction to bring to them. Of, I'm so hard, sorry it's been a hard day. Or, you know, of just actually really looking for ways to come alongside so that then I can put courage into them and that may actually include correction. Um, and so, um, whereas if I, I can escalate the situation very quickly emotionally and, and you know, we've all been in situations like that, whether we have children or not, even in, in relationships, if, if everybody gets a bit too hot-headed, then the thing is you just end up in this cycle of escalating the emotion rather than a soft answer that just reduces the emotional temperature enough and so um, you know not wasting our words with uh, with with angry words um, that are just going to stir up more strife but fifth and this is where the balance comes for me is that we are not to just be people who try and tickle people's ears I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but um, Proverbs 29.5 says, a man who flatters his neighbour spreads a net for his feet. Um, just that sense that flattery is really a trip hazard and um, flattery is one of those really tricky things because it can look like encouragement and so we've got to be wary not only of giving it but also of receiving it, of actually recognising um, what is flattery and how we manage that. Um, and, I mean, I read this definition which I thought, um, it says, at its core, flattery is a form of lying and it's a particularly insidious form because in the moment it is spoken, flattery sounds much like encouragement, yet there's a difference between the two. Encouragement is truth spoken from a loving motive to increase faith and hope to the hearer. Flattery is a lie masquerading as encouragement from a selfish motive to manipulate the hearer in order to achieve the flatterer's covert purposes. Which sounded really harsh to me, but when you sit back and think about it, like all of us will have engaged in flattery because it, it may not be with any evil intent or covert purposes. It makes it sound like a real ill intent. But, I mean, I've definitely given flattery just because I want to be liked and approved of. And so then I've, 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 I've given flattery in that moment and, and it's not really encouragement. It's because I'm wanting to be liked or I'm wanting to be included. or um, And so... 
we do need to be really careful that we are with our speech we're not wasting our words that we are not idle in um, in managing that um, Timothy um, in Paul's letter to Timothy in the second letter he said this um, for the time will come when people will not put up with the sound with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear um, and so being wise with our words and um, not wasting our words means that sometimes we may say things that people don't want to hear. Um, so that's not the same thing as, um, you know, so we want to be encouragers, but we don't want to be encouragers at the expense of sometimes needing to say things that are hard to say. Um, Ecclesiastes 12 um, says this, the words of the wise prod us to live well. This is from the message translation. I think this is the words from the wise prod us to live well. They're like nails hammered home, holding life together. They are given by God, the one shepherd. Um, it is a really incredibly hard balance that I have heard people say some terribly unkind and unwise things in the name of speaking truth in love and so we need God's help there is just no way to do this without the discernment of the Holy Spirit and even just that bringing ourselves before the Lord to check things like heart motive and um, and this is where I think if we ever had some hard things to say to someone, there's a couple of things that you, you see, point three, be slow to speak. Like if, we've, if we are going to be bringing correction or we're coming alongside someone, um, usually that will be in relationship where you've banked enough trust with that person that you are actually then really able to speak into their life um, number two there's very little point doing that unless they've invited your input because people if people don't want to hear there's very little point in blathering on at them about how you think that they can correct whatever it is that you're wanting to correct um, and again we're always looking to encourage more than critique but if we are wanting to say something that's not always easy for people to hear um, we need to slow that down enough to be sure what our motives are and to bring that before the Lord and sometimes we will have to say hard things to people that um, and, and that is not wasting our words that is still um, a wise use of our words sometimes that it will, it, that it will carry a, a weight and be a difficult thing and so then the final thing, which really is pretty much covers, it, like I like the bookends of this, of remembering that gift, the gift of speech is a powerful gift from God, which was our first one. And this last one, which is that we need to continually dedicate our speech to God. Um, in Psalm 141, um, I haven't written down the verses, but I think it's verse 3. It says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Um, 
And then Psalm 19:14 says, "Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer." And so that is our my encouragement to myself and to all of us this evening like your words and your ability to communicate like it's a gift and we don't want to waste our words and all of these things in between of not wanting to um, just give false flattery and wanting to be slow to speak and um, uh wanting to be more encouraging than we are critical, all of those things um, and the, the place of um, what's going on in our heart, that all has to be under and submitted to the Lord, like that we are constantly dedicating our mouth to the Lord and, um, and recognising that it is a process. I mean, a lot of the scriptures that... Um, I've read will describe, you know, it's the righteous. Well, that that is a that's the outworking of our salvation. Like that's not something that comes from just simply being good people. That comes from the fact that the Holy Spirit resides within each one of us, that we are saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes us righteous. Um, and that he, because he's given us the gift of speech, is interested in growing us and maturing us and um, walking alongside us as we learn how to steward um, our mouths well. So can I pray for us this evening? Father, we are just so mindful that as a God who communicates with us, one who is with us, uh, present, and one who speaks, that um, it is such an incredible privilege and a responsibility, God, as part of being created in your image to have the capacity to use words and to communicate. And so, Father, this evening, as women who desire to be ones where our mouths are a wellspring of life and um, that our lives and our hearts are just a reflection um, of you, we just really want to, again this evening, uh, submit ourselves to you and ask God that you would help us in this area of our mouths. That, uh, Father, we just want to dedicate again our speech to you. Um, that our mouths would be honouring of you. And with the same mouths that we worship you, that we would then also be honouring of one another and the people in our life. Lord, I want to ask that you would continue this work of... Um, unpacking with us areas um, of growth and of maturing and of transformation. I pray, Lord, just for each one of us, if there are areas in our life that feel like a struggle around our words and um, that, God, you would come alongside as you do. I thank you that uh, your correction never condemns, 
but is with the purpose of transformation and life. And so we want to yield ourselves to that process with you again this evening in regards to our mouth, that you would be at work in us, Lord, and then through us. And Lord, I pray that this week you would give us opportunity to bring encouragement and life with our mouths, that we would um, release life. That's how you've created us, in fact, as women, is to be releases of life. And I pray, Lord, that um, you would help us to release life, your life, with what we say. So we just honour you, God. We thank you that you enable us and that you will continue to walk with us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you. I haven't even looked at the time. Um, we have another meeting in June, um, which I will... Um, advertise so it'll be the second Tuesday again and um, um, just really grateful to have hung out with you this evening so thanks